Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. The power of cannabis as a therapeutic and begin to feel passionate about destigmatizing cannabis so that more, especially new moms, would be able to try this and discover this as a tool for their own wellness. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. Uh, this is the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and, of course, giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. All right, Dave, I'm going to bring up a subject we haven't discussed for a while. It has nothing to do with the suppositories. Oh, thank God. <laughs> heavy side so i used to go on to like my, my rants and raves about you know you wouldn't eat off a dirty plate or you wouldn't drink out of a dirty cup why do you smoke or consume out of a dirty bong or right. something that's dirty right 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 so i just want to give a shout out to this new product i found mama jane's glass resin cleaner it's like so what i use is alcohol and salt that's my mm -hmm. typical okay like rubbing alcohol gotta, and salt rubbing alcohol and salt yep. it's like magic but during the pandemic this is true. It was hard to get alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I had to start considering other options and I was very conservative with my alcohol. So I heard about this. It's a resin. So you put some, you put like a dropper of the resin into your dirty glass. You kind of coat it mm -hmm. and then you put it in hot water and you let it soak for about 10, half an hour, whatever you come out and it's clean and it smells lemony fresh. Really? Nice. So <laughs> how, you use that for your like pipe? or anything you can anything, use it for yep. your bongs your pipes your whatever it is that you smoke out of that gets that resin because it gets kind of 
sticky and smelly and it's just and nasty. How often, and how often do you clean it? I clean my stuff every single time I use it because really? I'm a okay. grown up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's the kind how of often thing, do you like, wash your glass, Dave? How often do you clean your plates? <laughs> I um, just, yeah. Is it the, exactly the same thing? Okay. I guess it is. You're putting your mouth on it, right? So, yeah. yeah. And it, it's sophisticated stoners. It, it, we have to change the image. We, It's a clean smoke. It right. smells good and it's pretty. So I smoke out of glass and it's to be clean. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just one more time. I'll put in the show notes. Mama Jane's glass resin cleaner. I think it's awesome. As you say, um, you're, you're not the typical cannabis user. You wear pearls. You play tennis. But we and, all should clean our stuff. And you Even, clean your you stuff have every good day. Good manners and good hygiene. Yeah, yeah that's okay. just like a mom human thing. Right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, stoner culture is not. Whatever for everybody. Yeah. Okay, another topic completely, which is kind of stoner culture, I guess. I've been invited to a barbecue meets cannabis event next week. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. So I'm we're talking bar- barbecue, like we're talking the real stuff, like brisket. We're, we're brisket talking barbecue pitmaster yep. Andy Husband. Okay. Like hardcore Boston. Yeah. Um, he's going to team up with Bountiful Farms. I'm going to demonstrate how to create an infused barbecue, which they've invited to me. It's a it's a private event, kind of perks the job. But I'm excited. And my husband is really jealous because he actually owns a smoker. He's a, like a real cool barbecue guy. Yeah. Wait, you're not infusing the meat with cannabis, right? I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to okay, do. <laughs> that, that would be a new one for me, but I'm willing to Maybe believe anything at this point. Yeah. Maybe they smoke it in the hemp. I have no idea. Yeah, I will right. report I, back maybe. to everyone. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay. And then a future event. I was kind of excited. My friend Christina D'Arcangelo is hosting an event in Philadelphia called the Freedom Retreat in October. Um, it's going to be a three-day event where a powerhouse team of women leaders are coming together to coach attendees and how to get more out of their days by maximizing their time, relationships, and careers to live more fulfilling lives. And the speakers and coaches have professional backgrounds that range from biotechnology, pharmaceuticals, neuroceuticals, business leadership, coaching, PhDs, and me. Of course. (laughs) Of course. So there'll be more information. It's going to, it sounds amazing. I mean, she's very high end and she's going to gather these women leaders together. And I was so honored that her, she and Tiffany Watkins, Tiffany, kind of putting this and they want me to speak. So I'm excited and I want you to be there. So anyone in the Philadelphia area, keep an eye out. Very cool. Very cool. And then, okay, last thing. Do you know who Susan Kane is? I don't know. She's an author. I don't. Uh, she wrote a book called Quiet. Mm-hmm. It's called The Power of Introversion and Leadership and just in life because we get overlooked a lot. I was actually named a quiet revolutionary many years ago. Mm. <laughs> and well-deserved, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. But she now has a, a new book, and it's like a program called Bittersweet, mm-hmm. talking about the combination of sorrow and joy. I just feel a lot of sorrow. <laughs> Lately, mm-hmm. there's just mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, it's a program. It's a book. She texts you every morning something interesting and inspiring. So uh, Bittersweet by Susan Kane. It's a free program now. It's a text and she has a book out. And I don't know, it's just a melding. I, I kind of call cannabis the glitter and the grimness. So that's kind of like, you know. <laughs> why, is cannabis, why is cannabis grim? No, no, cannabis is the glitter. Is, oh, that's the, the glitter. glitter. Like, there's so okay. much grimness in this world. Right. There's so much grimness. And I feel like there's a little glitter. I feel good about cannabis and hemp. So maybe this is what I hold on to in the joy and the sorrow and bittersweet. I like it. So. All right. That's my plug for Susan Kane. She's awesome. All right. And just want to thank Mary Jane's people for making today's show possible. 
let's move it on. All right. So we do have a guest. I know I talked a lot. I've been talking more and more. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I only have three more shows to talk and then I'm going to be quiet for a couple of months. All right. So today's guest, today's guest is a Clio award-winning business strategist, marketing leader, and investor with nearly 20 years of experience building lasting teams and brands for companies spanning consumer packaged goods, renewable energy, natural products, and of course, cannabis. She has served as a VP marketing for Flow Canna, a leading brand of sun-grown flower, VP of sales and marketing for Care by Design, a pioneer in CBD wellness, and led direct-to-consumer and strategic partnerships, one of my favorite brands, Garden Society, a craft cannabis operator serving women in search of a new, more holistic way to rejuvenate from the chaos of their daily lives. Today's guest is a fierce advocate for environmental social governance and diverse representation in cannabis, which we need. She serves as a mentor to underrepresented founders through our academy and eases momentum accelerator and as an advisor to MJ Impact, World Technology Agriculture, High Confectionery, Garden Society, and Cannabis Doing Good. And obviously she's wicked smart, as she say out here in Massachusetts, where she's from. She holds a BA in political science from Yale University and an MBA from Harvard Business School, where she co-founded the HBS Green Business Alumni Association. I'm so happy we could finally get her on the show. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Annie Davis, founder of Growing Impact. Welcome, my friend. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Joyce. I'm excited to be here. It's been a long right. time, in, a long time in the making. There's been job changes, been like traveling. Six months. I know. I think I was in a completely different role when we first maybe even scheduled this. So you were. So um, and that's what happens in this industry. There's a lot of fluidity and movement, and it's one of the things that makes it exciting. Pivots and transition. So, all right. So you just had 11 days off as being a mom or being primary <laughs> caregivers. How did you, as a mom, I mean, it's important to be in this space. You obviously have, you know, high-end credentials in terms of business and management. So how did this, how did you enter the cannabis space and how did that actually connect to your momness? Your yes, yeah, it is a thousand percent connected to my mom. <laughs> so I am glad you asked. And I like that word of that word momness. Um, <laughs> so I have been, I mean, like many of us, a or well, I guess I don't think you, actually not you, but I've been a lifelong or a very long-term can long-time cannabis consumer since mm-hmm. basically all of my adult life. Started as many people recreationally learned that it was incredibly helpful for my anxiety and insomnia, which I had been battling since I was in high school and had ended up being prescribed prescription medication to help address it, which left me groggy in the morning. Mm -hmm. So cannabis was a part of my daily routine, generally something that I did in the evenings. I was closeted about. It wasn't something that I like proudly shared in my circles at Yale per se and Harvard um, and my life that came before growing up in New England and you guys, where you guys are based, as you know, like the perspective and outlook on cannabis has certainly changed a lot over even the last several years. Oh, yes. So it was like when I was growing up in the eighties as a child of dare, and this is your brain on drugs. It was like a highly stigmatized culture and environment. Yes. Um, when I was, I, I'm a mom of two. They, my kids are seven and four. Actually, my son's birthday is this weekend. So That's hopefully so funny, he's I have, turning I have, seven. I have three and six. So it was like almost a year ago we talked. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is funny. Yes. They were three and six. So yes, they are now, my daughter just turned four. My son just turned seven. So I had built my career across consumer packaged goods. At, when I graduated from business school 15 years ago, I went and worked for the Clorox company 
doing like traditional CPG brand management. And then I had like progressive roles of market in marketing leadership across clean tech and the natural product space. When I had my, my husband and I live in Sonoma County, California, I grew up in Massachusetts. My husband grew up in Washington state and we don't have any family nearby. So it is just us and whatever childcare we can pay for, or now, you know, our kid, the older kid goes to school. So when I became a mom in 2015, I realized that it was just a lot to juggle Mm -hmm. like a full-time job, (laughs) plus caregiving for one child, plus keeping like keeping tabs on our house and all of that. And I ended up transitioning to working part-time because I just, I could, that was, I needed to better, I need to have balance in my life in order to be like the present mother that I wanted to be. Lordy, Lord, Um, I I mean, we, I think my generation, we normalize this. It's not normal. It is not normal to work full-time and take care of a person full-time and keep your life full-time and still not lose your mind and like still see your spouse, whatever. It's not normal. So without help, it it can't be done, which is not the thing we, not the message women get. Totally. (laughs) But I, but like growing up, you know, we thought we could do it all. Yeah. That's what we thought we could do. Yeah. Trying to do everything. So I ended up working part-time in the natural product industry, having one child. But then when I had my second child in 2018, I was just like, it's, I, going paying for two kids in childcare on this part-time salary. Like it's, it doesn't make sense. It's financially not sustainable, but I was really craving, like I wanted to continue doing like non-childcare work that would be intellectually stimulating, (laughs) interesting, and where I felt like I was having an impact. And I wanted to do it in a fractional or part-time way. And so this was pre-pandemic. I like that fractional. I think the fractional way is thinking of it better than part-time because that is how it works. Like you're always working. It's just you've straight, which is what the the pandemic has taught people, but fractionalized. I've never heard that word before. So it was pre-pandemic. So remote work was not the the norm, nor were like non-traditional hours of working the norm. So it was kind of like, you know, you either work from nine to five or what have you. And this notion of like, you can do your work anytime in the day because we're all virtual, you know, that didn't exist yet. I live in Northern California, cannabis culture, cannabis is part of the culture here under um, Prop 215 in California under medical, you know, we had a fairly, very robust already cannabis industry in California. So I knew people who worked in the industry. And one of the people that I knew was Carly Warner of Garden okay. Society. Right. Um, I met Carly through the Petaluma Mothers Club, which is my t- the town I live in. So, nice. Car- so I met and I met Carly in 2016 when she had just become a mom. I was a mom of a one-year-old. She was a mom of a six-month-old. She and her co-founder, Erin, had started, had founded Garden Society, which is a brand of cannabis pre-rolls and edibles that targets Mm -hmm. women. And so Carly and I had been friends and I had been kind of like learning and hearing about her and Erin's experience building this company in the cannabis industry and was intrigued. At the same time, I had... Personally, I had stopped my cannabis consumption during both of my pregnancies because there wasn't enough data to give me comfort that I wouldn't be harming my unborn fetus. But when I was postpartum with both of my children, I I started consuming again. And cannabis was incredibly, incredibly helpful to me in managing postpartum anxiety, insomnia, and depression. So when you're, this is like a question I have. So I did not consume when my kids a little, I probably would have been a better mother. I would have been calmer. So were you able to talk about this like in your mom group? So like who knew that you were consuming about your kids or was it like a secret? Like how did you, how did you? Yeah, no, I was definitely pretty like secret. Uh, secretive about it. It wasn't something that I w- was able to discuss with my 
with my doctor, with my friends. I, you know, really like reached out to other people that I knew who worked in the industry, who were women at that time to like figure out what data they had and what information they had. But it was just so hard to find, to get, to give ourselves comfort. And in between my first child and my second child, I had a miscarriage, which just made me like hypersensitive to like anything that I would possibly do that would like make that happen again, which I think had nothing to do with cannabis consumption, but even so I was just like freaked out. So I didn't consume, but when I, so when I resumed nine months later in both of my pregnancies, it was like, you almost realize all over again, like how powerful this medicine is because you've taken a big break from it. So like all throughout my pregnancies, like sleeping was challenging, you know, my anxiety was skyrocketing. And then finally, like when I started to consume again, postpartum, I was able to sleep. And like, even despite like waking up multiple times in the night to feed babies, like I could, I was able to function. So all of, so it was like a combination of, for me, I think realizing all over again, the power of cannabis as Mm. a therapeutic and as something that can enhance like one's life, can enhance one's life and help one to function like a productive member of society and feeling, beginning to feel passionate about destigmatizing cannabis so that more, especially new moms would be able to try this and discover this as a tool for their own wellness. And then in my conversations with Carly and Aaron and other people in the NorCal cannabis community, I had this hypothesis that potentially the cannabis industry as an emerging industry and with its high growth would be open to flexible structures of work and where I would be able to like market myself and position myself as a fractional marketing leader or a fractional business development leader and play a role for companies that would be less costly for them than hiring talent like me full time, that that would also give me the flexibility to be like the more the present mom that I want to be. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't thought of the business part. All right. So interesting. You have a lot of coming in at this. All right. So you're a consumer, you stopped, you've had the same shame ideas. Let's talk about shame, actually. So shame is part of the power, which has kept women kind of silent about it, which is why women mm-hmm. don't know each other why other moms don't know other moms are consuming until, you know, high society mama and everyone's out there talking about it and the women are coming out of the thing. So shame is powerful. I know that sharing your story is part of changing that shame. I mean, you're out there, you're telling people you went to Harvard and Yale, you're talking about this, you're in the industry and explaining why it isn't, why the story is wrong, why the narrative mm-hmm. we've been for a hundred years is wrong is powerful when you hear people's stories like you. So what's True. your, what's your other vision? I mean, you you talk to other moms, you talk, about normalization with moms in other ways? Well, you know, it's interesting just even mentioning my sharing my story because I started working in the industry in 2018. I didn't even put it on my LinkedIn profile that I worked in cannabis probably for another year after that. It probably wasn't until a year after that that I was public at all about my personal consumption. And so for me, it's been a journey to get comfortable with sharing my personal story. And a lot of it had to do with my shame. And honestly, like, really relating back to like what my East coast, um, born and bred extended family, my parents who do not hardly touch alcohol, certainly do not touch, touch cannabis. And they are under the impression and have been, have been for the whole time that I've been a consumer that cannabis was in, is an illicit bad for you substance and drug. And I was literally until like, I mean, I just turned 42 and in, it was, I was in like my mid thirties and I was a mom of two. And I'm still concerned that like, I'm going to let my own parents down because they'll be disappointed that I'm now not that, just that I'm working in cannabis, but like when they hear that I also consume this, like 
what will that do to my relationship with them? But I came to believe that it was like more important that I be a voice that could help normalize for others and that I could hopefully get over whatever like personal issues might arise internally with my family. So it's been a journey for me. And every time I'm on these podcasts, I do have in the back of my mind, like, what am I saying that like my parents might hear and like their and what will their judgment of this be? It's hard. I think it's very, my kids are grown. They're in their twenties now. And my mother did not believe me. I talk about this all the time on the show. My mother couldn't understand this. I just think beliefs are really hard to change. That's part of the issue. And just telling people facts doesn't seem to do any good to anything for anybody anymore. But this idea that they could see somebody healing, I think that's the power of stories like yours with people who don't believe it, is that, you know, they know love you and they can see that you're healthier, right? Mm-hmm. They can see this. And I kind of hear, you know, I've talked to hundreds of women, this idea that someone who really just can't open their brain to the idea that cannabis is not exactly what they believe it to be. And then yeah. they see a child or they see someone they love be healed or they, something happens and it opens that space. So that's what you're doing. I think that's the mm-hmm. power. So especially like, Bart, let's talk about Harvard. My, I live right down the street. <laughs> so what was it like to go back? Are you open about this? Are the business people fascinated by what you do? Like, yeah, what so is their reaction I, to you? <laughs> yeah. So I just got back from my 15 year reunion at Harvard from Harvard business school. And we were all going around and like, in our, my section is like a hundred people that you had your first, all your first year classes with. And about half of us were back um, for the reunion. And there were people from all over the world doing all different kinds of things. And we were all going around, going around um, the room, sharing like one sentence or one thing about like one, one update. And, and my update was that the industry that I currently work in was not legal five years ago, or I currently serve clients or things said that like, operate in an industry that wasn't legal five years ago. So people are definitely like very intrigued. So so was it it like a, oh, it's like, ooh. No, honestly, like I'm pretty, I think a lot of people, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. (laughs) So was it news to them? However, what I will say is that a couple of things. Number one, between, I also had my 20th college reunion the prior week at Yale. And between the two reunions, probably a dozen people that know I work in the industry wanted to talk to me about their personal wellness and get my recommendation on what they should try. And you probably find that too, that there is like this hunger for how from people who are not routine and regular cannabis consumers that want to learn how to navigate this. And they really, really only want it. They feel like they are only comfortable getting that advice from somebody that they know and trust. So I felt like people were actually more interested in talking to me about cannabis for their personal use than they were about like the business work, the the role in the cannabis industry that I'm playing as like a business leader. That is is the power of cannabis. I think I talk about it like pot politics and religion and like tie it all together. And this idea that cannabis is literally in the middle of this. I mean, I don't know what's going on with our politicians, but everybody can be healed by this. This is health equity. This is like cannabis is, you know, you can see it across the board. Everyone you meet, I'm sure that's the same idea. And people People in my temple coming mm-hmm. to me. I did a, I did a CBD consultation with this older couple two days ago. They were so, and I forget, I forget that people don't know anything. So I know I just overwhelmed them. <laughs> but they like showed me a bottle, and I'm like, well, what's the, you know? And I tried to go backwards. I'm like, you need to know where your hip is coming from. You need to know how how many how much CBD is in there. And they couldn't tell me any of this. So I'm like, then I started with the beginning. I'm like, you have an endocannabinoid system, and that just, you know. 
<laughs> so I'm yeah yeah having the same um crazy experience All right. yeah but i also think i mean i will say also given you know obviously what's the growth of the industry in massachusetts and what's happening in new york and new jersey i also had like other people coming up that, that i would speak to or coming up to me saying like oh i know so-and-so who's doing xyz in the industry like oh, yeah. it was far more i i was not I was not a complete anomaly. It oh, no. felt like there were more and more people who knew people. And then also I will say, I was like this, I was floored when I went at the, at the Yale reunion. Like I was not the one who did this, but we had like a big class party and there was like a bunch of people on the dance floor, I guess like on Saturday night of the reunion. And like a few people had took out joints and they were like, first of all, this is not COVID safe, but they were like sharing the <laughs> joints around the dance floor. And you had all of these people from my like Yale class of 2002 smoking weed on the dance floor. Like it's in Connecticut, number one, like that would never have happened 20 years ago. It certainly wouldn't even have happened five years ago. And I, and so to me, it was just like, I was like, felt like that was just like such a turning point or a signal of like the changing times that some, that people would feel comfortable, like taking out cannabis at an event like that. So again, people listening, we're living in the anomaly, 10,000 years of cannabis history. Mm -hmm. We're the weird ones. So bring it out connect with each other. This could help heal us. It's the glitter and the grimness. That's what I'm saying. All right. So let's talk about business. Yeah. Cannabis. It's like the real world, but upside down. <laughs> I do think this is something new that we could create. Like you kind of talked about, we can create a new kind of industry based on different values and you're, you know, obviously you're an MBA person. So what are you mm-hmm. seeing out there? And I mean, you're talking about your, the way you're working. So what other things are you seeing that maybe cannabis or cannabis women are kind of trying to innovate and trying to I don't know, maybe do something a little bit different than what everything is taught at Harvard or I don't know. I know nothing about business, but I do think there's an opportunity to do something new. <laughs> well, I think, you know, one of the, I mean, I think one of the things I've seen just as a opportunity and challenge, major opportunity and challenge in this industry is fund is funding. And capital. I always talk, I was gonna ask you about that next. Capital is yeah, the biggest thing. Yeah. Obviously, but cap like access to capital being so limited due to like, obviously the current like federal scheduling of the drug, but also just, well, yeah. So so kind of limitations of capital as well as like founders ability and knowledge of like how to fundraise. Right. Um, Because you have a lot of people entering this industry who have not yet start, have not run businesses before, have not fundraised for business before. So I think there's a real element here that I've seen, have seen of like the, the value of advisory, the value of, kind of incubating and accelerating companies that like it takes a village. So there's Mm. this idea, this real collaborative approach, especially among women in this industry of like bringing, like amassing a team. The team is not all paid. The team could be advisors. The team could be investors. It's like creating an ecosystem around these companies to help them scale. So like I've been part of this garden society ecosystem with this brand since, you know, probably like 2017 before I, and and I've done like some, some contract work with them. I've been paid with them. I'm an investor in them. Like, but I don't, have like a formal role, but I consider myself like part of the garden society family. And in all of my activity in this space, I'm always thinking about things like when I'm in a conversation, is this relevant to garden society? Would th- could this be helpful to them? Would this help advance them? And I play that role currently myself with like a handful of companies because I feel like one of the greatest values that I can bring is like network and connections yeah. as well as strategy. And those are things that often are like out of reach for financial financially for people or just because they don't have access to the network. So one of the things I found in cannabis is like, while my functional expertise is marketing and that's kind of like the skill set and the functional area that I've worked in, 
there's a lot more value beyond pure marketing that I can bring to companies in the cannabis space. And that's incredibly fulfilling. That's, um, actually, that's actually hopeful again. Uh, I mean, yeah. this, this idea that collaboration is the norm. So I used to practice family law. Nobody's nice to each other. At the end, I tried to do collaborative law, but everyone's going to buy in. But it seems mm-hmm. it didn't always happen. But this idea in business that maybe in business, we are actually de- developing a way to be collaborative. I think that's really interesting. And then I talk a lot to cannabis women entrepreneurs, because I guess that's what I am now. Mm-hmm. But this idea that we always, again, like we kind of come back, we always felt like we had to do everything ourselves. You know, I grew up in the era of Sheryl Sandberg. You just lean in harder. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that the, yeah. truth of it, the value in creating collaborations and knowing what you don't know and actually being vulnerable, I suppose, in a way that more feminine yeah. or whatever we do. And then that you're actually building these teams together. That's, that's encouraging, I think. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm seeing it too amongst like some of the networks uh, or some of the groups with, with whom I'm a mentor or advisor. So I'm a mentor to founders through an accelerator called Our Academy mm-hmm. that supports BIPOC and primarily BIPOC founders. And like we have a Slack channel in the group. And just yesterday, somebody proposed in the Slack channel, like, why don't we, like, is there anybody who's interested in collaborating on creating a document that describes like market by market, like it's like state by state in the US, kind of what is the market size? What are the market dynamics? What are Hmm. the like relevant regulations? Because every, like we all need this information. So why should we each be, like amassing this information ourselves or for each of these companies, like, you know, as they're pitching investors, they have to put together their deck and they have to show them the market opportunities. So like, are there ways that like smaller, more independent operators, app licensees, et cetera, or there are ways that they can collaborate so that it is not such a heavy lift for each individual person. So I'm seeing a lot of examples of that in this industry, which I think is one of the most inspiring things about this industry, because we're all navigating like such a complex and confusing and new space that the extent that which we can help each other do that will be more resource efficient for everybody. And this idea that, you know, it's a huge pie. There's lots of little businesses. It doesn't have to be all the big, you know, the the big guys with all the capital. I mean, as I imagine if the women I knew got the kind of money that Mad Men got or whatever those guys were, (laughs) Mm -hmm. distributed that across, you know, I don't know, a hundred of the women businesses that I've been engaged with, it would look like a really different industry. So capital is really hard. I don't really understand why it comes from some places. Other people don't get it, but moving it together, maybe this idea of like working together more connectedly, maybe that'll break something in our culture. I don't know. I, I think America, this is good for us. We should have more small businesses. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know? yeah. And so another area of collaboration around the, across the industry that I've, that I'm currently involved in now is I'm uh, a board member of a new nonprofit called the Cannabis Media Council. And we are going to be producing like PSA, public service announcement, public service announcement type content by campaigns around to around destigmatizing and normalizing cannabis. And the idea is that these initiatives and efforts would be funded by a coalition of businesses in the industry. We all like growing the market for all the work you're doing here to destigmatize and normalize will benefit all the product and retailers and ancillary businesses, et cetera, the more we grow the pie. So rather, but each company right now, we have limited marketing budget. So we're spending it on just like our own brand. Right. And that doesn't achieve the destigmatization as a whole. So the idea is like 
that through collective action, just like you would have a got milk campaign or you right. state organic or like buy avocados from California or Mexico. Like these are, these are the type of industry collaborations that, that in, outside of cannabis have been shown to help grow the market for all those producers. So, so you are in marketing and I'm running up with a couple more minutes and I have to take a break, but so everything in cannabis is like the real world, but upside down marketing is especially tricky for people, like what you can market and what you can and what you can say and how you can do it. And so what are you finding with, so I market my pod, I, I talk to my podcast as like a marketing tool because I have an audience. So what are you seeing in cannabis that might be different? That's going like, I don't know, I think we're going more old school because we have to be so connected to each other. What mm-hmm. other things are you seeing in marketing? Maybe that's starting new in cannabis or different in cannabis than what you were used to? For me, like the biggest frustration is like limitations around language that you can use to describe cannabis. Um, At least for instance, I worked on the Care by Design brand in California. It's a wellness focused brand. Many people use it for pain, for nausea, for cancer. And you can't talk about any of that for the most part. And you just have to like use very general language that doesn't really speak to like, what's the right product for them. And this is part of why I have 10 different people coming up to me at these reunions, asking me what products they should try, because what we can say what the product is in cannabis, but we can't really say like how it will help you. Right. And so people have to go find that information themselves. So I think that's an area where, you know, we're definitely seeing like the rise of the influencer of people who are not the company who can legally share like how this has been beneficial for them. I also think it's why it's there's to the point of like just basic block and tackling like in California for brands like it's critically important that you have like street team like boots on the ground, you're going to do like you know, demos in store, you're like showing up and tabling so that you literally have people talking to consumers about what this product does, how it's good, what, what, what differentiates it, because you can't put that in writing and you can't put it on your website. So there's this element of like analog, not digital communications. And then within the digital communications, really like leveraging imagery, leveraging graphics, leveraging like not showing rather than telling how something is going to make you feel. And so I think that's really like a departure. Which is kind of the opposite of pharmaceuticals. So you're watching these beautiful, happy people like dancing and going out to the movies and on the whole background is like, this is going to kill you. You will have a heart attack and your arm will fall off. But while you're visually watching it, You're like, look, they're so happy. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And, but the thing is that like, it's, what's so baffling is like those, those pharmaceutical companies, they literally can say like, do you suffer from like, do you suffer from hair loss? This is for you. So, you know, as soon they're, 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 they're reaching you with the problem. And if you have that problem, you're going to pay attention to the ad. And so in cannabis, it's a lot different. So there's like, which makes it more challenging because you can just talk about like what it is per se, rather than like why it works. Because our ad um, would be like, do you have trouble sleeping? You could have some cannabis or CBD and you yeah. won't die. You'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then somebody, yeah. And then like somebody will go into a store and then they'll be like, well, how do I decide between all these products here? Like what to get and what, and, and what to trust and what to know, you know, what's right for me. So I think there's a real opportunity for kind of like, more tools that help consumers make decisions about what to, what to choose. I actually saw, I think I, I think it was at the cannabis in Boston last week. I saw a tool 
called Forage. There's like a screen, it's an app that takes you through like a decision matrix, a decision tree to help you find the right product. And we used to have that on the Care by Design website also. So I'm hopeful that consumers can begin, will begin to like get more of these kinds of tools out there that help consumers to navigate to the right product in a store outside of just like a bud tender's recommendation. Yeah. Because oftentimes bud tenders can be influenced by swag, by merchandise, by freebies, et cetera. You don't necessarily know that what they're recommending to you is actually the right thing for you. Or like it happened to doctors. It could happen to bud tenders. Okay. We are going to be back (laughs) with our guest, Annie Davis, after we thank our show sponsor, Mary Jane's People. It seems you all have interesting work story to share every day, and it's really become clear the way we want to work has changed. We want to work differently and better. People Partners, Mary Jane's People, makes work better by making people the highest priority. Mary Jane's People will help you build well-being as a cornerstone into the foundation of your team by making people the highest priority with servant leadership, building the team you want to be on through learning, development, and collaboration, and connecting to the community internally and externally. They'll even help you build your people teams. Mary Jane's people will work with you step-by-step at the best pace for you and your teams under their careful guidance and expertise prep, sow, and grow the foundation of your people teams. It's time to change, and now it's time to do it. Let's make work better together. Learn more about Mary Jane's people at maryjanespeople.com. Come on over, say hi, and tell them the Cannamom Show sent you. Okay, we're back with my friend Annie Davis. So you're from Boston. You play tennis. Do you miss it out here? <laughs> I do. I miss my family. I can't see them as frequently as I'd like to. I got my parents, my brother, my sister-in-law, niece and nephew, but I love the California sun and warmth and lifestyle. But what's exciting right now for me is that given the growth of the industry on the, on the East coast, that I'm beginning to engage more with businesses and potential partners back East. So starting working to look, uh, identify potential expansion partners for a few, nice. uh, a few West coast brands that I work with. One is a women led brand called rebel spirit out of Oregon. They nice. are Oregon's number one pre-roll brand and are looking to license their brand and expand into other markets. So like so last they week, come, I, I, I always ask people, so, so because it's so state specific. So if you have a brand out in California, they have to set up a whole new growth facility out here in Massachusetts, right? It's like a whole new well, thing. Yeah. So they either can acquire a license and do it all themselves, okay. or they can structure a relationship with partners oh, where okay. either, either they're contract manufacturing. So like there's a, there's a, you know, facility that does white labeling. So mm-hmm. somebody else like makes the pre-rolls and then you, and then basically like leverage, like you know, in this case, Rebel Spirit's brand right. and brand assets, et cetera. And they pay Rebel Spirit a fee for mm-hmm. doing that. Or you, there's a various models for, doing, for yeah. doing so. Most brands currently are expanding across the country through an asset light approach. That does not mean that they do their own cultivation and manufacturing. They are doing that through partners. However, interestingly, Garden Society, um, we are taking an approach of acquiring the license and being the manufacturer in those markets and garden societies at the moment at for, uh, just started operating in Ohio, for instance. So in Ohio, Garden Society does their own manufacturing, their own sales, their own, sales, their own marketing, and they can now 
bring other brands under their license and market and sell those brands um, or support those brands expansion. I mean, I think so, we are the, we are the market. Like, so I have been, I've seen Miss Grass and I've seen mm-hmm. Edie Parker at Ascend in Boston. Um, yep. You know, there aren't that many women centric focused packaging stuff out here yet. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen it's coming, but I think there's yeah, a market for I, it. I think Miss Grass, so that's a perfect example. So they have a relationship with Ascend. Ascend is licensing their brand. So it's right. so basically Ascend does all the cultivation and manufacturing. And they basically pay Miss Grass a fee to use their brand. Or Miss Grass gets basically a cut yeah, 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 of yeah. what, that's actually how it works. Miss Grass gets a cut of what, yep. like, what gets sold through their dispensaries. But what's interesting to me is that like, you know, with there's not just going to be one brand that targets women, right? No, like exactly. We are a big category and there's lots of us that we all consume differently. So like one brand may be great for like, you know, a millennial woman who really wants high potency and you might have another brand that's like more low dose focused, or you might have another brand that's more community-based. Like, you know, you look at the cereal shelf and there's like, 50 different brands of so, cereal. So I, but, so. but I always say like market to women like me, my age and older, we literally know the least. We have assets. Like I play tennis at a tennis club. I can go in and talk about your stuff. Like I, these are the world that maybe we're not accessing because again, probably like your parents, mm-hmm. it's like a certain story that it's very hard to um, get your head out of it if the only people you know smoking are stoners or whatever you think they are. And you're mm-hmm. a beautiful, perfect child. This can't possibly be, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a very hard story to get out of. But then when you start meeting people and then you start realizing that it's, you know, people don't even know what's going to do to them. I think that's the other thing. And we're so kind of used to not feeling good that once like I probably like when you took your break, like I didn't use cannabis. And then when I realized I didn't have to feel anxious all the time by, Mm -hmm. you know, having a hit of a a plant. Yeah. Revolutionary. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So there is a market of women like me or, you know, who have are curious and they want to go to a boutique and they don't really feel comfortable in a lot of these stores and they don't want to be the flashing your two IDs to a camera and then you can't see anybody is very uncomfortable. So we don't want to treat it like plutonium. We should treat it like wine or anything or bath salts or something that makes us feel good. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. hundred uh, percent. So what are you doing? You, you're out there in California. Are you traveling what again? What are you, what are you doing uh, next? What, what's, what's your like goals for 2022? Are you speaking? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? Like yeah. coming on the horizon? Yeah. So policy work, anything like that. Yeah. So, so growing impact is my consultancy. I work with clients across kind of like revenue operations. So strategy around business development, strategic partnerships, marketing and sales. So I've got a few clients right now that kind of keep me busy. I just got back from a bunch of conferences between Benzinga Capital and MJ Unpacked and then this East Coast trip. So given my kids are out of school for the summer and they have got camps, that unfortunately don't go all day. So I have a shorter work day. I'm, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a lower workload over the summer until my kids, until they go back to, to school in the fall. But what I'm really trying to work on as work on is building my network and connections with investors that I can mm-hmm. begin to connect the dots for a lot of the founders that I am yes. advising and supporting. And it's not just about connecting to existing investors. It's also about trying to like connect with and educate investors that are not currently in cannabis mm-hmm. about the size of, about the opportunity, because there, we need to, we need to bring more capital into this industry. And it's not just not through just the existing like funds. And so I have been proactively reaching out to and setting up meetings with like VCs that are, that focus on investing in women outside of cannabis 
So I can understand like, would this be an opportunity for them? What might be barriers? And that's, so that's kind of like a side project of mine. No, that's great. Are you connected to ArcView? Are you connected to ArcView? at all yeah I know they're trying to mm-hmm. yeah so again it's always capital and I I don't know I, I feel like this is something we need to bring people in this is really an amazing space to be invested in I think I know there's a lot of restrictions and there's a lot of confusion so just that you're doing this work and so many of the women I meet in the industry who are staying in it you know they've healed themselves or healed someone they love and they're in an ancillary business or they're creating a product or they're doing a service a lot of them are business coaches now they're trying to help each other but uh-huh. that we just need more money sort of infused through the whole system so that we can all grow. And I don't know where the money's going to come from. So help. Thank you for helping us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely been feeling like, again, as like the working mom, I'm stretched pretty thin and there's so many areas I want to impact what I want to impact, but just trying to be realistic about what I can realistic, what I can achieve and also maintain my own sanity. So ideally my work will begin to align such that I can start to bring into investors, into some of the clients that I'm working with and then be support both to the investors as well as to the operators. No, I think, but, you're, you're, I think you're in a good space. You know, I, a lot of, again, like a lot of women are coming into this, but they just don't have that level of access really to, mm-hmm. you know, you have access probably to different people and that yeah. these are the products and these are the these women are going to stay in it, even though it's really hard, even though they can't get checking accounts or deduct their business expenses. And there are pay- payment processes get shut down on a regular basis, but they stay in this. They're not just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, if you're going to invest in it, I know you want to make money, but you're building something new. You're pioneering. So I think there's got to be a different mindset. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. I agree. Yeah. See how it goes. Um, all right. So you're a busy mom. You're doing your thing. But if people want to reach out to you, if they need your help, how do they find you, Annie? Yeah. So my website is www.growingimpact.co and you can also email me annie at growingimpact.co or find me on LinkedIn, Annie Davis. It'll all be in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad this finally worked out and your kids are a whole year older by the time we talk. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Joyce. Nice to meet you and nice to meet you, David. All right. All right. So another show for my guest and my Canada bro, David Jazz, and of course, our Canada Mom Show team. I want to thank you for listening to the Canada Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry. So together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canada Mom Show. We are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate. And I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. 
So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.